0: guys welcome to another Sunday at New Life come on come on right oh man awesome awesome and it's just like Sunday just keeps coming just keeps coming And I love opportunities to come and gather with you guys. I want to say hello to everybody worshiping with us at our Kearney campus. A big hello to everybody worshiping with us at our North Platte campus, and a big hello to everybody that might be with us online today. Whether you're sick, home, you're homesick, or you're traveling for business, or you're on vacation, we're so excited to have you with us, Uh, guys. Look, we've got a lot going on here at New Life. Can I just say this to you? I am so proud of our church. So proud of our church. I'm proud of our church here in Kearney. Uh, I'm proud of our church in North Platte. I'm proud of those who are from Ogallala right now that are joining with us in North Platte. Here's the reason why. Last couple of weeks around Carney, we've had this flooding that's taken place. We've had people out from New Life, I think, every day since then. If I'm wrong about that, it's probably only one day or two days total in the last two weeks that we haven't had people out serving and meeting practical needs in the Kearney area because of the flooding. All right. Now, look, that's a lot of devastation. We didn't know that that was coming. Nobody knew it was coming. But yet you guys, along with a host of volunteers throughout our city, have just stepped up and been serving the needs of others. I'm so proud of you, thank you so much for doing that. At our North Platte campus, the last two weekends, we've had work days that have happened there. Uh, We had 60 people two weekends ago. We had 30 people on Saturday, and they were putting down the sod at our brand new building, making the outside of that place look amazing. So if you're in North Platte, you need to drive by our new facility and to see what is going on and what the outside looks like. We will soon be starting the construction on the inside of it. Now, out in Ogallala, we have just recently, in the last couple months, started our relationship out there. Uh, I love those who are part of the church already out there, your faithfulness and your heart for God. Thank you so much for being passionate for Jesus. But we've got some things to do out at that campus. There's some TLC that needs to happen on the facility to make it even better for more people from the community to come in. Now remember, our main objective in Kearney, Nor Platte, and the Ogallala areas is to see people find Jesus and see their lives changed. That's it. That's what we're doing this thing for, okay? So our main objective isn't to have the coolest building in town, right, with the sweetest video and sound system. That's not the, that's not the objective. The objective is to have a facility that will help us see people find Jesus and see their lives changed. We just happen to believe that there's a benchmark that you got to reach to help us make that happen. So we need all hands on deck this weekend going out to the Ogallala campus and serving with us on Friday and Saturday. Look, I'm just being honest with you. The pace has changed here at New Life for a season. It won't be this way forever, but we are definitely in a season of serving right now. And I'm calling you, as your pastor, step up, Find a place, get involved and serve and i 'm ask, I'm actually asking you to serve more right now than maybe you ever have before. I just believe that God changes the pace he changes the pace in our life to accomplish his mission, just like he did in Jericho. If you know that story from the Old Testament, he asked the, he asked the Israelites march around the walls of Jericho once every day for six days <clears throat> then on <clears throat> excuse me then on the seventh day. What did God ask him to do? Does anybody remember what he asked him to do? March around the walls how many times? Seven times. Right? And then yell at the wall. So for six days, they get the cush job of walking around the wall once. I love that job. But then there's the day that the pace changed. And the pace changed by God, not by man, to accomplish God's mission, not man's mission. Guys, that's where we're at right now as a church. God's asked us, change the pace. The pace has changed to accomplish his mission right now. So I'm just calling you to step up, find a place, get involved, serve like you'd never served before. The pace will change back. We'll go back to walking around the wall twice or three times. But right now, it's march around the wall seven times. That's just the pace so we can accomplish what God's called us to do. All right, are you with me on that? Are you still with me? Do you still love me for that one? All right. Just say this with me. I promise to still love my pastor who keeps challenging me. Okay. Now you said it, not me. All right. Okay. So here we are. We're in this thing together. Okay. So here's what we're also in together. This teaching series. We're in a teaching series. We're looking at 2 Timothy. Right Today we're going to be back in chapter two. I jumped ahead because of last week to chapter three. We're going back to chapter two. Remember this, these are Paul's last words that are recorded that we know about, that he's writing, knowing that the mantle of his leadership is being removed, knowing that days or hours are ahead of him before the guards come and they get him, and they take him out for his execution. He knows that he's not gonna get out of this dungeon now and he's writing his final letters as a man right before his execution, passing down his knowledge, his passion, and his desire to see the truth of Jesus be preached in the generation that he's living with younger leaders and for generations to come, generation after generation after generation, until that word that he's writing right now with his passion right, and his conviction reaches New Life Church here in the central part of Nebraska, stretching all the way out to Ogallala for us. He was writing it, and his passion was to make sure that the authenticity of Christ and the mission of the church was not going to be spoiled through the next leadership and the generations to come. And that's why we're reading this. We're reading this not because it's just the final words of a man who's getting ready to go to execution for preaching the good news of Jesus and for being an amazing spiritual leader. We're reading it because they're the inspired words of God spoken through the apostle Paul for the church of Jesus Christ today in 2019. So to do that, we're gonna look at chapter two. In chapter two, Paul is talking about, and he's painting a picture of what it looks like to be an intense follower of Christ, one who is fully abandoned to the mission of Christ, is fully abandoned to live uh, his or her life in a way that honors God and brings glory to God. And so he starts out by painting this picture of that kind of a follower of Jesus by talking about what a soldier is. So. T- Take a look with me at verse three and four. Paul says, endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. So what is a good soldier of Christ Jesus? Verse four tells us, soldiers, they don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life. For then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. So he starts out here in chapter two with this warning, a warning that still relates to you and me today. He says this, look, warning, you're, you've, you've been called, if, if you consider yourself to be a follower of Jesus, you've been called to live your life as a soldier. Here's what a soldier does. They don't get wrapped up in the things of this world to the point that they're no longer able to please Christ. That's his whole essence here. What is a good soldier? A good soldier is somebody that, it, it's not a person that is a monk, that lives You know, in a monastery that doesn't have any relationships with anybody, doesn't say anything. It's not a person that makes a a vow to poverty and gives away every single penny that they have. It's not a person that chooses to live uh, amongst the poor and the hungry and the needy. He's not saying that that's what you have to do. He's just saying this. Don't allow your life to get entangled. Think about what it means to be entangled, right? To be wrapped up in something where it is controlling you. Don't allow your life to get to a place where there's anything that you're entangled with, tied up with, that's keeping you from being able to please God. It doesn't matter what it is, whether it's your professional life or it's your personal life, whether it's with your finances or it's with your time, whether it's the way that you lead your kids or the way you lead your business. It's it's not mattering to him right now. He's just saying, look, a soldier is abandoned to a cause. Now, I was a soldier, right, in the United States Air Force. I remember, excuse me, I remember signing my name on the dotted line, giving my life away. Anybody else here do that? Let me see your hand if you did that. You remember that, right? You remember that. It was all fun and games, okay? It was all fun and games until boot camp started. It was all fun and games. Right? And in today's world, sometimes you sign your name on the line and you get like $40,000 in cash, and they're like, yes! And then boot camp starts. right? And then they're like, man, I don't know if that $40,000 is worth it. And then they get sent to battle. And then they're going, I guarantee you the $40,000 wasn't worth it. Right? So when you're a soldier, you give up your rights You give them up to live live for our country and to live by the laws that our country sets for soldiers which are different than what civilians get to live by, by the way. It actually is a higher standard. It is a narrower bandwidth of what a, a soldier can get away with than a civilian can get away with. And so that's what Paul's drilling home here. He's going, guys, guys, listen, your life doesn't belong to you anymore. You've been bought with a price. You've committed your life to Christ. Stop getting your hands back here and getting yourself all tangled up and tied up in things that now you're you're committed to, you're surrendered to, you're now in obedience to, that no longer allows you to please God. He says, don't do that. Paul's not the one who came up with this grandiose idea, by the way. Jesus is the one who was preaching it. Jesus preached it in a parable that he taught about, you know, a farmer throwing out seed onto different types of ground. Jesus was making the point that the seed that was being thrown out was like the living word of God. It's like what you're hearing today, right now, the living word of God. And it's being sprung out onto the fields and onto the ground. And he goes, the ground is like the different hearts of, of man. Some are harder and some are softer. Some are ready for the seed and some are not ready for the seed. And in light of this point of being someone who doesn't get tangled up in the things of this world so you can't please God anymore, Jesus taught this in Mark chapter 4. He says that the seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, like today, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things, so that in the end no fruit is produced. Let me just say this to you. Some of you might be here today, or you're listening to my voice right now, or you're watching this online, and you're kind of like at your last straw. You feel like you've been coming to this church over and over and over again, but you're looking at your life and you're going, there's no, there's no fruit that's being produced in my life. And you're pointing the finger at new life and you're going, something wrong with that church. You're pointing the finger at the pastor. Or the teaching team, and you're going, they just don't teach the right stuff. You're pointing your finger at God, and you're going, God, he's just not coming through. Can can I just suggest to you, before you go pointing your finger at everybody else, which is so easy to do, that you point your finger back at yourself and you first look at, it's most likely the issue is this, you've entangled yourself with something that's not allowing you to please God, and when you're not allowed to please God in certain areas of your life, then you have a distance from God in that area of your life, and I guarantee you that's the separation you're, you're feeling more than you're feeling anything else. It doesn't mean that we're perfect. Okay, God is perfect. It doesn't mean new life is perfect. I'm not saying that. I am saying, though, that it's a lot easier to blame others than it is to own up to our own junk. And to be a good soldier and a follower of Christ that lives a life that's worthy of honor to him, we first have to look at what are we entangled with? Even even the apostle Peter dealt with this issue. In the dungeon with Paul, one of the apostles that ended up in this exact same dark you know, damp hole in the ground was the apostle Peter. He spoke about this exact same thing. Look what he said in 2 Peter 2.20 about this issue. He goes, and when people escape from the wickedness of this world by, by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, okay, that's good news, but, and then get tangled. There's that same word, to get tied up, to get entangled. But when they get tangled up, and enslaved by sin again, then they're worse off than they were before. Let me just say this. There's two different groups of people in the room, listening right now. In North Platte, online, here, in Carney, whatever. Some of you have committed your life to Christ, and you are unashamed of the fact that Jesus is your Lord and your leader, and you're trying to live your life for him. There's others of you that have yet to do that. You're searching. To see, is Jesus who he said that he was? And you're getting really close maybe to the point of going, I'm going to commit my life to Christ. I'm going to surrender my life. I'm going to let him be the Lord and leader of my life. I want to encourage you to do that, by the way. I want to talk to the first group for a second. Those of you who call yourself a Christ follower and you've committed yourself completely to Christ, be very careful. When we know Jesus and have been set free from the sins of our past, when we allow ourselves to go back in and grab a hold of certain sin and let our lives be entangled with it, the apostle Peter says, "Through the power of the Holy Spirit, that you're going to be worse off." See, so it doesn't matter really what it is a good soldier, it demands that a soldier is. Living a sacrifice life before Christ, a disciplined life before Christ, an obedient life before Christ, and a loyal life before Christ. And without those things, it's impossible to please God. It's impossible to follow Jesus. So that's the first example that Paul lays out for us, for somebody who wants to follow Christ and honor him with everything they have. But then secondly, he goes, look, if, if you're not really getting that one, let me, just, let me help you get it, but let me, help, let me add some things to it. He goes, consider an athlete. Look at what he says. He goes, and athletes, they can't win the prize unless they follow the rules. That means this, in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of God, there are rules. Rules based on God's word. God established the word, he established the rules. We don't get to change those. We don't get to choose them. We don't get to say I'm going to follow this rule but I'm not going to follow that rule. Like you don't we don't get that choice. But in our culture today, that's something that we're really like We're hungering after, we we hunger after control. Can I just warn you for a second, be careful to not be a person that takes God's principles and God's word and then tries to manipulate them and change them out of a rebellious or independent nature to meet and to fit your demands and your comfort zone. Like, we don't take God's word and alter it to make us feel more comfortable. God's word is going to make you feel uncomfortable so that our life lines up with his word. But guys, be careful, please, because we live in a world where you can go to YouTube and you can click on, you know, sermons and thoughts and ideas from people all around the world that are not Christ-centered, but they're going to sound like it. And be careful. Be careful. I'm not saying don't use it. I'm just saying be careful, Be careful what teaching you listen to and what teaching you follow because in the day and age in which we live in, which by the way, it's been this way since day one. There's always been false teachers. But the day we live in, it's so easy to get connected to them. So easy to be persuaded by them. It's so easy to get off track based on what God's called us to do. A good athlete knows the rules. They participate by the rules so that they can win at the event. We live in an environment where we we all have a favorite sport in some capacity, in some nature maybe. If you don't, I get it. But if you do, you've got somebody in that favorite sport who has broke the rules behind the scenes. They climb the ladder only to find out the way that they got so good was they were breaking the rules and they have they brought up like a stain on that particular sport. And Paul's saying to us, look, don't bring a stain to Christianity. You bring a stain to Christianity when you alter God's word to fit your need instead of submitting your life and altering your life to fit God's word. So that's the second thing. If we want to honor God, we have to live like an athlete who knows the rules so we can win the race. If not, then a penalty is going to get called. And there's a price. There's a price. There's a penalty in eternity. When we decide we're going to live based on our rules and manipulate God's word to make us comfortable, a penalty, a separation from God. That's, that's really not the penalty I think that any of us want in this room. The last example that Paul gives though, is that of a hardworking farmer. Now look, here's the good news. If we can't get the example of the hardworking farmer, then we're in trouble because where we live in the middle of Nebraska, I think we can wrap our head and our heart around the hardworking farmer. Here's what Paul said. He says, and hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. So if you wanna honor God, leave this up for a second. If you wanna honor God in a way that brings glory to him, like your life is being lived in a way that matches what Jesus has asked you to live, live like a good soldier, live like a great athlete, and then be a hardworking farmer. Here's here's what he's saying, he's He's saying two things to us. Number one, there's a promise that comes when we diligently commit our lives to the purpose and the calling of Jesus Christ. But it's going to require hard work. (laughs) It's gonna require us to dig in and to be diligent about it. We gotta be faithful from the beginning all the way to the end. It'd be foolish for a farmer to take the seed that they have and go plant it in ground that has not been prepared. That would not be wise. So a farmer has to go prepare the land, right? They have to plant the seed, right? They've got to water it, they got to fertilize it, they got to remove the weeds, and then they have to wait. They wait for the seed to germinate and come out of the ground, and then they continue to care for the crop. We live in the middle of Nebraska. I think we all know that. But in Christianity and in our walk with Christ, we have to be a person that's not lazy, that's not trying to cut the corners who is diligent from the beginning all the way to the end. And sometimes that means you have to wait. You have to wait on the Lord for him to produce something that's good called fruit in our lives. It doesn't just come out of the ground. You don't just, a farmer doesn't plant the seed one day and stand out there and go, why is the corn not grown? Like we would pull up with a nice little mental ward, you know, like little ambulance and take them off. Because you would know that that's foolish. So guys, look. It's about not being lazy and it's about being faithful and it's doing the, the simple, small things that you know you're supposed to do. And in the end, if you do that, like a farmer should expect to, you know, get a reward from some of their crop. So should we look forward to the reward of being faithful before Christ and spending eternity with him. So the lifestyle that Jesus is looking for in our lives is that of a focused soldier, all right, So don't don't get entangled with things that are going to keep you from pleasing God. Uh, An honest athlete, so don't change the rules. You know, God's the one who's established them. And a hard worker, don't get lazy in your pursuit after God. But I love how Paul actually ends this thought. Take a look at what he says in the very next verse. He goes, hey, here's what I want you guys to do. Think about what I'm saying, right? The Lord will help you understand all these things. Now, I'm trying to do the best I can to help you understand it. But this is a principle we should apply to all of God's word. We should meditate on God's word. And if you don't understand it, don't just blaze on to something else. Take some time. Ask the Holy Spirit. By the way, it's the Holy Spirit's job to help you and me understand God's word. So every piece of God's word is life-giving for us. It's corrective for us. And what, what, what I wanna encourage you to do is the same thing that Paul's encouraging. You know, Timothy and then the church and the future generations to come. Say, so, look, don't just skip over the stuff you don't understand. Don't just skip over the stuff that's hard to read. Don't just skip over the stuff that challenges you to a point where you feel uncomfortable and you just move on to something else. Don't do that. Take time when you feel that way and simply pray and say this, Holy Spirit, help me understand what it is that I'm reading that's the kind of, of, of thing that's going to, it's going to bring a lot of life in you, and it's gonna help you get to a point where you're just like, man, I am loving this. I'm loving God, I'm loving his word. But look, it's gonna be hard to be a diligent soldier, an athlete that follows the rules, and a hard worker you know, that's willing to devote their life to this cause of Christ if you don't really know who Jesus is. And so Paul deals with that in the very next verse. He goes, I really wanna make sure, Timothy, you understand who Jesus really is, and I want this message passed down to your church, and I want it passed down to the generations to come. Many of you may have read this scripture in in the past and just read right over it, because it reads like this. Here's the thing. Always remember that Jesus Christ is this. Two things. A descendant of King David and was raised from the dead. Those are the two things that Paul goes, I just always want you to remember, don't don't forget that Jesus is a descendant of King David and he was raised from the dead. Some of those, like raised from the dead, you get it. Like that's important, right? But why is it important that he is a descendant of King David? Like why would that even matter? And then Paul goes on to say this, this is the good news guys I preach. This is what my mission is. My mission is to tell people these two things. So why do these two things really matter and what is it that Paul's really saying to us? He's saying this to us, it's clearly being said, he's a descendant of David, he's fully man, but yet he was raised from the dead, and he is fully God. Those two things joined together are essential, that's the message of who Jesus is, and it was so important that Paul preached it in a way that landed him in a dungeon where he had days and hours ahead of him before he was going to be executed and taken off of this earth. That's how important that message was. So let me just ask this to you. If it was important for him to preach it in that manner, how important is it for us to know it and to be able to re-communicate it to others? It's vital, it's vital. See, because in Paul's day, maybe to your surprise, there were false teachers that were saying this about Jesus. Jesus is only God, he's not man. Now, you might go, like, wow, like that would be awesome if people would say that Jesus is God. But, yeah, but here's the, here's the destructive thought behind it. If Jesus is only God and he's, he didn't come as man, then there is no way for Jesus to live a sinless life and to offer himself on the cross to cover the penalty of our sins. So it was, it was in their day for them to say Jesus is only God, he's not man. They were saying this. Yes, I, okay, look, it's okay. Believe that Jesus is God, but he wasn't the savior of the world that came to set you free. We're still waiting for that guy. They called him the Messiah who was going to come and be the leader and save them and set them free from their sin. But Jesus wasn't that person. So to say that Jesus was only God was very manipulative. In our day, we have false of false teachers and people that believe that Jesus was only a man, he's not God. That's equally destructive because then he's just another human being who is just a good teacher, who is just a prophet, but he's not the creator of the world. He doesn't doesn't own eternity, there is no hope that can be found in him. Therefore, there is no promise of our sins being forgiven when he went to the cross. He just went to the cross as any other criminal who got executed. See, that's equally destructive, guys. What we believe in is we believe in the incarnation of Jesus. That Jesus is God who became man. Now hang with me on this. Jesus is God who became man. How do we know that Jesus is God who became fully man? Well, the Bible's full of scriptures that drive this home. I wanna to go to one of them today for the sake of time. Philippians 2, six through eight. Though he was God, talking about Jesus, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges, he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. We see two amazing things happening here. Though he was God, Right? He humbled himself and he became, he was born as a human being. The virgin birth, Mary, Jesus, fully God, being born into this world as a baby, growing, learning, being taught, turning around and teaching and growing others the entire time, living a sinless life. It was a game changer for us. Without this We have no hope. Without this, there is no way to get rid of the penalty of our sin. The penalty of our sin would damn us to hell for eternity. That's what the penalty of our sin would do if it wasn't for Jesus being fully God and fully man and giving his life on the cross. It's essential that Jesus lived this sinless life as a human being. It's essential that he presented himself as a sacrifice on the cross for our sins. It's essential. I mean, just follow me on this. If Jesus is fully man with sin, the plan doesn't work. It's not a sinless sacrifice that goes to the cross. But watch this. If Jesus is fully God without sin, the plan doesn't work either. It's not my rules. It was the rules that God set up. God said there has to be. A covering, an atonement. There has to be a a price that's paid for the sins of humanity, and it was going to be done once and for all, and that was the sinless purity of Christ coming to this earth, living a sinless life, and hanging on the cross, and rising again from the dead so that you and me might have our sins forgiven. And because Jesus is God, who is who he says that he is, and he lived this sinless life, and he gave his life on the cross, and he rose from the dead and he ascended to heaven. Because of that, Paul says, Jesus is worth suffering for, he's worth enduring hardships for, and he's even worth dying for. That's how he ends this thought. He says, and because I preach this good news, the good news of what? Jesus is fully man, but yet he's fully God. Because I preach this, I'm suffering, and I've been chained like a criminal in this dungeon. But the word of God cannot be chained. Amen? So I'm willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those that God has chosen. You and me today, and those who are in our communities who don't know Jesus. He says this is a trustworthy saying. If we die with him, in, with Christ, we will also live with Christ. If we endure hardship, we will reign with Christ. If we deny Jesus, he will deny us. But listen to this. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful for he cannot deny who he is. None of us are perfect. None of us are going to be able to live the sinless life that Jesus did. That's why he did it on our behalf. And when we stumble and when we fail, we know this, he is faithful. He's not going to give up on you. He's not going to run away from you. He's not going to abandon you. When you fall flat on your face trying to live your life for Christ, get back up, run back to him and repent, and you're going to find Jesus with his arms up and wide, ready to embrace you and welcome you home and forgive you of that sin and cover it once again and send you back out on mission to see people find Jesus and see their lives changed. So don't let your past keep you in a lifestyle that's unable to please God. Don't let your current sin keep you in a lifestyle that's unable to please God. Don't let your wicked desires alter God's word so that you can live life however you want. And be a diligent follower of Christ. Submit yourself to the small things. Be diligent day after day, week after week. and God will produce something in your life that's incredible. Today, what we get to do, though, is we get to offer ourselves to Jesus, who is completely faithful to us. He was faithful from the beginning of time. When he was there, he spoke, and the world became what it is. And all things were created for him and by him. He was faithful then. He was faithful when he came in the virgin birth, and he lived a sinless life, and he gave his life on the cross, and he ascended to heaven. And I'm telling you, he's faithful today. Today and you can trust him with your life. These next few moments, I wanna encourage you to worship him with a passion, with an abandonment to him. I want to encourage you to passionately, you know, sing and proclaim the truth in these songs that say who our Savior really is. I want to encourage you to find a moment, some, surrender yourself to Christ by the raising of your hands and submit yourself to him and declare, declare that, you know, Jesus is my Lord, he's my leader, and he's my king. I want to call you back to that place of being a great soldier and living your life to please God and being an athlete who runs after the prize of Christ, knowing that it's God's rules that have to rule you and honor Him with that, and being a hardworking person that just goes, God, I'm here today out of obedience. Would you produce in me what you want to do? Now, if that's your heart, I encourage you to stand with me. I want to pray with you. And let's spend these next few minutes worshiping a faithful Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you in Jesus' name. I'm so So thankful, filled with a heart of gratitude, Lord, to you for all that you did to seek us out, to save us, and to set us free. Lord, our lives were doomed if it wasn't for what Jesus did. We were we were to be living a life of separation from you, but because Jesus, fully God, became fully man and lived among us as Emmanuel, God with us, Lord, today we come into your house and we worship you with freedom. We're not perfect. None of us are. I'm the first one to admit that. But Lord, you are. We are so thankful for that. Lord, you are faithful even when we are not faithful. And would you just draw us close to yourself today? Would you reveal um, your heart to us? Would you reveal uh, your passion for us? Lord, as we worship you, as we sing these words that proclaim your truth, may our heart be reminded that you are faithful. You are a faithful God that will empower us to be the soldier you called us to be. That will give us insight to be that athlete that you called us to be. That will give us that fortitude and strength to be that hard, diligent worker. You know, as we follow you with the simple things and don't turn our back against you. Show up in this place. Do a miraculous work in our heart as we worship you. And everybody said, amen.